Hi, and welcome to Paths That Cross. I am Marilyn Banks, Holistic Life Coach and Counselor for Body, Mind, and Spirit Unity, and have also been called a Life Awareness Specialist, and I rather like that. Well, here we are in life, and there are no accidents. Everything has purpose. It's not that we don't have any control over our lives, because up to a point, we do. And it is not that our lives are completely and totally predestined, because it isn't. We have the free will to choose what, where, and how. A fish swimming around in our own pond, free to go where we choose, but within the boundaries of that pond. And that is life. Our universe works off physics because everything is energy. As Newton discovered, every action has an equal and opposite reaction or consequence. Our thoughts, feelings, and actions produce an energy. And they are formed from our attitudes and perceptions. As we think and do, we literally expend energy into the universe. The universe receives it and in turn gives it back to us. We enter this lifetime with preset conditions from a significant pattern formed by other lifetimes as we've lived them. Each of these natural laws has a purpose, and each is of equal value as to the status and conditions of our life. Two of these laws are the predominant energies we utilize that create these conditions. The first being the law of cause and effect that establishes our reality through our actions. The second law is that of attraction, and is powered from our thoughts. Both of these laws operate off the energies that we put forth. We choose what we want to do in life, and then do the things that will either make our goals possible or impossible. It is through our free will and the ability to choose what we do with it that we set ourselves up for success or failure. We have thousands of various possibilities that we could create for our reality and our future. Every time we make a decision, some small, some large, we are at some type of crossroads. We always have options to choose from. Oh, some may be lousy, but they're there. Sometimes they may seem obvious and sometimes the path may seem elusive. But, through our choices that we make, there is always a consequence. Nevertheless, initially, we had the free will to choose our direction. And it is through our choices that we are solely responsible for the conditions in our life. Our relationships, our education, our careers... Our finances are all based on choices that we made. It is as simple as that.
The universal law of cause and effect, or what comes around goes around, sees to it that we take personal responsibility for everything we do during our lifetimes. It gives us exactly what we deserve. It gives back to us what we have given. No more, no less. In this present lifetime, we have been living with the results of how we lived in previous lifetimes, not necessarily just one, but sometimes collectively, and our future life experiences will manifest how we handle this one, whether it is of a positive nature or a negative one. It is earned karma, and there is no way around it. What we put out is what we get back. It's all about directed energy. We hear the term karma bandied about often, most often when there is an apparent offense and a helplessness to do anything to counteract it. And we say, it'll come back on them. Karma will get them. What goes around comes around. And it will, but in its own time and in its own way, when it counts. The law of cause and effect teaches with absolute consistency, leaving out no one. We all receive our just due. We live lifetime after lifetime accruing our karmic deeds, those that add positive credits into our spiritual account, and those that delete it, plus those we are presently reaping in the yet present life experience for our future ones. Karma is popularly thought of as being negative dues to pay, or seen as a test, or as a heavy responsibility. It can be all three of those things, but does not have to be. Karma mandates that we hold ourselves accountable for something we have done or not done that needs to be personally experienced or that requires responsible action. It'll hold our feet to the fire for us to learn, and until we do, karma merely reflects back to us what we have put out there. It really isn't a hard concept to grasp. I'm not going to say that we're never tested, because I'm sure that, that we are. How many times do we go through difficulties swearing we will never do it again, and then we find ourselves in similar circumstances and we're given a choice to see what we'll do. It's not mandatory. We always have options to choose what we want to do, and it is through our choices that our reality is created. When we learn, our karmic debt is repaid. When we do not, well, we get other chances. Depending on the degree of the offense, it could be this lifetime or also in our future ones. Our lives are energized by the patterns we have created from our actions, past and present. Karma is walking in those shoes that we have sown for ourselves. Karma is making that bed that we lay in. Karma is the one thing in our lives that we, and we alone, make for ourselves. We own it. Karma 
is paying the piper, or perhaps getting paid. Some years ago, when I was thirty-something, I woke up in the wee hours of the darkest of nights, my heart racing out of my chest and into my throat. I thought I was having a heart attack. I could feel its pounding, and I couldn't breathe. Paralysis set in, and I could not move a muscle. I called out, but there was no voice. And all I could feel was panic as I realized I was floating out of my body and hovered over the top of myself laying in that bed. Settling near the ceiling, I saw my husband sleeping soundly, oblivious that anything was even happening to me or around him. And I don't know how long it was before I was back into my body. I had no sense of time, but I was able to quietly slip out of the bed and walk the long hall towards the front of the house. I was dizzy. I felt disoriented. I was spaced out, but I knew I was awake. It felt as if I was caught someplace between reality and a dream. I looked around at the familiar family room, its furnishings, all the family pictures, all the decor I had put so much thought into, but that room did not matter, and I realized none of it mattered. I was completely detached from all of it. Nothing around me was real, and that my life was a facade. As I stood there observing the emotional emptiness of the room, I suddenly was aware of a song playing over and over in my head. You've got to walk that lonesome valley. You've got to walk it by yourself. Oh, nobody else can walk it for you. You've got to walk it by yourself. Oh, I knew exactly what it was saying to me. It was time for me to get real. I suppose the whole thing only lasted a few minutes. And still shaken by what I had just experienced, I made my way back to the room and climbed back into the bed again. My husband was still completely knocked out, totally unaware that I'd even left his side. And I lay awake for the longest time, staring into the darkness, still scared and feeling naked to the bone, eerily exposed by something so much larger than me, and it revealed the shallow, trite state of my awareness. Oh, I was shaken up all right. I felt as though I had come face to face with the reaper and had been saved. I was frightened enough to realize I had to get real with myself, real with whatever it is that is out there, that I had to hold myself accountable for something, but what? For the way I've lived? For what and how I thought? Or for what and how I did? For what and how I treated others? For neglect? I hoped with every ounce within me that it was not too late. 
For the first time in my life, I was actually thinking about the responsibility of my life, about my mortality and an afterlife. The memory of that night lives on. I realized later, after the experience was diagnosed as hyperventilation and would today probably be labeled as sleep paralysis, I knew it was a spiritual crisis, not a physical one. And as it turns out, it was the first of several spiritual initiations for me, each one showing me a way to live. And today, it is in those times that perhaps I find myself caught up in life's mundane minutiae that I catch myself humming that old hymn. You've got to walk that lonesome valley. It's all ours to do and to be. You know, I look back on my life and I I can see where I understood firsthand how the dynamics of the law of cause and effect worked in a positive way. And having learned it, all about it, rather early, from an, an astute teacher, my dad. Not only as he taught, but the way he lived his life. Never one that could be called religious. He rarely stepped into a church, but nevertheless, he knew his Bible. He had studied the New Testament, had actually studied several of the mystery schools, but he always said he tried to live as he thought Christ would. And since I was a little girl, he taught, not by preaching, but by example, as how to live, treating others with appreciation, with respect, with kindness and generosity. I cannot remember him ever doing anything that would have been considered as selfish. Oh, there were times when his thoughtfulness and his generosity were taken advantage of by those who saw it as a weakness, and there were times when life was rough and tough, believe me. But in the end, he always came out on top. Always. And that is the way it was throughout my entire life with him. By the time I was well into my adult years and having lived long enough to see the results of his living, I came to recognize that he would always be rather divinely taken care of because that is exactly what he did. He was a responsible man who took care of things. He took care of whatever he was faced with, always thoughtful as to what would be the right way for his family and others in general and in the long run with his philosophy of being honest and true to himself, he was also taking care of himself. And even at the end of his life, he reaped the good that he sowed. <laughs> he was a good chief, but better than that, he was a fine human being. I was very fortunate to have had him as a father and as a lifelong mentor. I learned by watching him, I truly did. I saw it in action. It made a believer out of me. Karma is generally thought of as being a punishment. And if that were true, the good that we do would be canceled and nullified. 
It would deny the positives we earn in all areas of living, in all of our various relationships, whether it be in love or family and career or financial. The word karma literally means responsibility. What we put out is what we get back. And when we incarnate from one life into another life adventure, we bring with us our spiritual balance sheet with our personal assets and liabilities that we have earned. It's quite the teacher, though, and there comes a time we cannot ignore our lessons. It will not be allowed. There's no way out of it. And if we try, we get road signs that warn us. And if the signs don't work and stay in denial, we are forced off the road, giving us the time we need to think, to reflect, to take personal responsibility for whatever irresponsible choice we made that drove us into the ditch. Something about that old expression, the chickens coming home to roost, one way or another, at some time, and in some place, we eventually learn. In our universe, karma is the mirror that accurately reflects our soul. And there are no accidents. The law of karma cannot be talked about without reincarnation. When I speak of multiple lifetimes, I am speaking of human-to-human incarnation, not human-to-animal, or vice versa. You know, religion is man-made, and through the centuries, we've been taught to reach outside of ourselves for our salvation, to look at some type of judge that's out there critically watching, taking notes on our every thought, our every move, always evaluating and judging us, it is through the Western world's Christianity that mankind is only given one shot to reach perfection. The ancient Eastern religions believe and teach the philosophies of reincarnation. It is by understanding how the law of cause and effect or karma operates through reincarnation offering multiple lifetimes of opportunities of living and learning to understand and to perfect ourselves and life. Just as we start school in the first grade and as we learn and earn a promotion to the next grade and the next and the one after that until we have learned enough to graduate so it is with life and lifetimes. We live, we learn, and we grow. It is through the experiences of living multiple lifetimes that we incarnate into any and all of the races, having lived in various cultures, practiced diverse religions, and lived in countries all over the globe. We have been male and female, husband and wife, lover, mother, father, and child, sibling, friend, and enemy, 
We have been powerful. We have been enslaved. We have been rich. And we have been indigent. We fought in wars for the king. We fought in wars for causes. Lived and died through childbirth. We've died by hanging, burning, arrows, shooting, diseased, and old age. We've lived lives where we were good, where we were bad, where we were ugly and beautiful. We've lived lives where we were innocent and guilty. We experienced love, hate, anger, joy, grief, and pain, both on the physical and the emotional. By the time we are finished with our personal evolution, we have had first-hand experience having walked thousands of miles in all types of shoes, those that fit and those that pinched our feet. How can we truly integrate tolerance within us unless we have first-hand experienced intolerance for ourselves? It is by the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, that we not only can, but do, and we learn. We come into life with a personal mission as to something we are wanting to accomplish. Destiny? Well, kind of perhaps, but only up to a point. We come in with our free will and our ability to choose right from wrong for ourselves. There is far more to us than what we're aware of. In our growth, our transformation and eventual evolution, we will have learned how to love and be loved. We will have learned tolerance and acceptance and how to turn the cheek. We will have learned this responsibility of being responsible for others as well as ourselves. We will have learned individually and collectively as mankind. You know, there is no big cop in the sky out there to make his quota. There is no one out there critically watching and evaluating us, judging our life, our soul, and doling out punishments or bad karma. That's just not the way it works. There is an evaluation, all right, but it's not by somebody else. It's by our own hand. On a subconscious level, we know what we came in here to do. And as we cross over to that afterlife, we know if our mission was accomplished. So we ourselves evaluate not only this lifetime, but all the others that were pertinent to this one, checking out our patterns, because they're all connected. The lives, the people we came in to be with, the things we did in the way we did them or did not. We cross over and our amnesia is gone. Our mind opens to a higher octave and is sharp and clear. The subconscious becomes conscious as we see what has been withheld right in front of our eyes. The pieces come together. We see and we understand and we evaluate 
our own lives? Did we learn to live in good character and integrity? Were we true to ourselves? Did we learn to stand up when it was necessary and sit down when it wasn't? Did we learn to love openly and honestly? Did we allow ourselves to be loved in return? Did we meet the responsibilities we came in to do as well as from the consequences of what we did? Yes, at that time, that moment with the people who were the perfect teachers for us, we know what we incarnated into this life to do. We also know if we passed or failed. And if we did not, well, there will always be another chance at it with the law of karma close by. It's just the way it is. The Process of Growth and Autobiography in Five Chapters Chapter 1 I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. Chapter 2 I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. Chapter 3 I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I fall in. It's a habit, but now my eyes are open. I know where I am. It's my fault, and I get out immediately. Chapter 4 I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5 I walk down a different street. Check out my website for my deep guided meditations for body, mind, and spirit unity. Check out my classes and my workshops, my counseling and coaching. But in the meantime, remember to slow down, take a deep breath, and reflect on the good that's all around you. Peace be with thee, O beautiful ones. Life is good. All is well. And so it is.